It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. If you thought he blundered, blundered, paying that export fee. He's flying through the air with bags of coffee and tarantulas that he didn't see. In spite of what they're stashing, end up crashing. Down near town with spiders oh so vile Maybe folks should stop shipping the citrus crop Of danger though the mayor's in denial <laughs> Uh, that is one of the brilliant iterations of a TV theme song I'm betting you're familiar with. Probably not that particular version, though. But that is one of the many brilliant song parodies that uh, just about a million viewers are accustomed to and really enjoy each and every Saturday night as one of the many aspects of what makes watching MeTV on Saturday night such a treat. And, of course, uh, a lot of people's Saturday night would not be complete without spending it with Sven Gulli. Now, if you are from the Midwest... Or if you've watched MeTV at any point in the last decade or so, chances are you know who Sven Gulli is. If you are unfamiliar with Sven Gulli, then you are in for a treat. Because not only is Rich Coase, a.k.a. Sven Gulli, a genuine TV legend who has had over four decades of success making a very quirky character that would defy the recommendation of every TV consultant in the world, making that character an integral part of people's weekends, but he's just an incredibly talented comic and overall amazing television personality. It gives me a great deal of pleasure to welcome... Um, comic, television personality, Sven Gulli, a.k.a. Rich Coase, who's seen every Saturday night on MeTV. Rich, it's great to talk to you. I'm a big fan. And thank you so much, Frank. You're very, very kind uh, and very generous with your comments. I appreciate that. Well, no, they have the added virtue of uh, of being true. Now, if people ha- are from the Midwest and uh, they are familiar with Sven Gulli, a lot of folks have been saying, well, wait a minute. You know, Sven Gulli pl- puts a lot of zombie movies on, a lot of uh, um, uh, undead f- films dealing with the undead. But he can't really be the Sven Gulli that I remember from the early 1970s. And that's actually the case, right? You are not the original Sven Gulli. No, that's correct. Uh, the original Sven Gulli was a guy that I really admired and listened to on the radio and, and watched on TV, uh, Jerry G. Bishop, who was a very famous uh, Chicago personality. And uh, he was the original Sven Gulli from about 1970 to 1972 or 73. And uh, he, he had a way different look than me. He looked like a sort of zombie hippie. He had long green hair <laughs> and wore sunglasses. Uh, yeah, a little bit different. But he's the guy that, that got me into the business and was very generous. to. Ha- he was the one that came up with the idea of me originally being son of Sven Gulli. So you started out as the son of Sven Gulli, and then you're now the genuine article, the real Sven Gulli. Yeah, and that actually happened again due to Jerry. Uh, right before I was going to start with the company I'm at now, Weigel Broadcasting, he came into town and we were visiting, and I said, you know, I'm going to do the show again. And I said, but I'm thinking of changing the name a little bit, maybe just to Sven or something like that. 
because uh, it's been long enough that people would say, you know, you're son of Sven but who's Sven mm. Mm. And Jerry said, I tell you what, you're all grown up. <laughs> Just be Sven <laughs> which was, again, very generous of him. So, we look, we do have a lot of people in the uh, New York area, but we're really listeners all over the country. Some uh, are, might be radio people may not be familiar with you and your work and the Sven character. Even some people that might enjoy a lot of the films that you're introducing and interjecting during on Saturday nights. Explain to folks what what it is that you do. Who is Sven Gulli? <laughs> Sven is a sort of low-rent uh, vampire horror host. And what I do is, you know, I introduce the movie, the, uh, various horror movies, some good, some eh, not that great. <laughs> and uh, I, I come in during the movie at various times for comic relief and to talk about the cast and who the actors are. Because one thing that I always loved when I was watching movies was that you'd see somebody and go, I know that actor, but I don't know what I know him from. So I'm trying to, you know, fill in the blanks on that for people. You know, when the people that are in our movies, uh, I tell them the other things that they've been in so that they can, uh, you know, remember, oh, yeah, that's who that guy is. And it's, you know, and we do songs, song parodies and uh, commercial takeoffs and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, you know, I always think of a horror host as kind of like a safety valve. Because, you know, no matter how scary it gets, this guy comes on and, you know, takes some of the pressure off and makes you laugh and makes it seem not so serious. Oh, no, absolutely. And you do that uh, incredibly effectively. Now, uh, for a big part of your career, you were really well known in the Chicago area, but very much sort of a local TV personality. With the explosion of MeTV over the course of the last 10 years, I would think that has tremendously broadened your reach to now reaching a national audience. Have you found that to be the case? Definitely so, uh, and especially the the past two years. You hate to give any credit to COVID, but I think mm. during that time period, a lot more people were just staying in who would normally be going out, and a lot of them maybe had not seen the show before. And once they they saw it, they liked it, and they've kept watching. And the cool thing is, even though COVID has, you know, gone down a little bit, uh, the audience keeps growing. And uh, I'm very, very pleased that uh, we can maintain that audience and have people coming back over and over again. A lot of the films that uh, that you show on Saturday nights, uh, some are very campy to the point of not being scary at all, but some really are very compelling and some really are uh, scary, especially for the the era in which they came out. How difficult it is, is it for you to blend the worlds of comedy and horror? These are two sort of uh, competing emotions in people's brain, and yet you seem to pretty seamlessly uh, be able to go from one to the other. Is it difficult to change tone, to go from uh, a serious, suspenseful horror film to making jokes filled with puns? Well, you got to be careful how you do it, really. Uh, because especially when people are caught up in the, uh, you know, for example, those old Universal movies, which mm, I love. Me too. Uh, you know, and the atmosphere they create with the black and white, and, you know, the tension builds up, and you don't want to just, you know, completely make fun of it or something, right. which some horror hosts do. 
So we try to, you know, be as respectful as possible to the movie and just kind of gently, you know, go from whatever's been going on into our segment. And, you know, just, as I said, be kind of a, a safety valve for people. And it, it, it's, it's usually not too difficult for us to make that transition, also because people are willing to, you know, get away from what they were just watching and into something else that we're doing. Uh, there are a lot of well-known horror hosts. I think Elvira is probably one of the best known of the 20th and 21st century. In our area, Zachary was very, very popular for uh, mm-hmm. a long time. Uh, other than the original Sven Gulli, who do you like? Who are some of your favorite horror hosts over the years? I have to say, uh, Zachary actually enjoyed what I did. And I was very pleased to hear from him and... Uh, he thought that I should continue the tradition here. I like Elvira. She's always been very kind in making comments about mm. me. Uh, she does real well. Uh, not necessarily a regular horror host, but Joe Bob Briggs, mm. who is actually such a smart guy. And I love when he talks about the movies that he shows. And uh, those are the, the main people that, that I've really enjoyed. Uh it's, it, and, of course, the original Sven Gulli. That's the whole reason I'm doing this now, because I'm such a fan of what he did. And he did it so well. Do you see all the movies? Oh, yeah, definitely. What I do, I'm the person that screens them, and I screen them and break them down into the segments. I, uh, I'm i the one that decides if something has to be edited out or not. Uh, and as, as I'm uh, watching them, I'm taking very copious notes so that I know what I can, you know, talk about during the segments. If you had to pick, I know this is an impossible question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. If you had to pick, of all the films that you've shown, either the last 10 years that you've been doing me TV or the last four decades since you've been doing this show, what's the absolute worst? Oh, it's hard to say. Uh, there's one called Track of the Vampire. Now, this movie, parts of it were made in, I think, you know, Romania or Czechoslovakia, and parts of it were done in L.A., and I think neither group knew what the other group was doing. And it's (laughs) so odd and slow and cut together in such a bizarre way. Uh, it's, it's, It's really, you know, you've got a guy who's an artist who's also supposed to be a vampire, and he's chasing some girl down these streets at night, and all of a sudden it's daytime, and she's running into the ocean, and he's trying to attack her there. Uh, it's a little hard to follow. I, I would say so. That's uh, Again, that was Vampire Tracks. That's the name of the film? Uh, Track of the Vampire. Track of the Vampire. Got it. Yeah. I got it. Uh, I, you have a, a terrific film this weekend. It's sort of a cult classic, not as well known as the original Dracula. But you, this weekend you're showing House of Dracula. Is that right? Right, yes, and that actually was kind of the swan song originally for the Universal Monsters mm-hmm. cycle with John Carradine as, as Dracula and, uh, of course, Lon Chaney Jr. as Larry Talbot because it was really the last one of those, as we used to call, monster mash-type movies like House of Frankenstein where all the monsters would be in it. And that was when the horror cycle was actually kind of dying down and all those monsters wouldn't be back on screen again until Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, where they brought them all back. And that was a kind of resurgence, not only 
for the uh, Abbott and Costello team, but also for those Universal Monsters. Uh, if people are just tuning in with talking with Rich Coase, you could see him every Saturday night on MeTV as Sven Gulli, which obviously is a portmanteau of Svengali and Ghoul. Uh, you can also check out uh, the website svengulli.com, G-O-O-L-I-E.com. Rich, are there moments when, obviously Sven Gulli is a character, but there's a lot of person of your personality in there. Are there moments in your real life as Rich Coase where Sven Gulli bleeds into your real life? When you're talking with friends or family or you're at the store, not in your Sven Gulli makeup, which if people don't know what it looks like, it's sort of reminiscent of Alice Cooper. Uh, are there moments when Sven Gulli bleeds into the life of Rich Coase? Yeah, I think so. And it's just exactly what you mentioned earlier the fact that. Uh, you know, there's the character, but a lot of the character stems from my own real personality. So, you know, I'm pretty much, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm a wise cracking guy, and uh, I react to things with uh, with different jokes and such. So, yeah, I, I think it, it's pretty much, you know, the, the character is just, I, I always say, it's my personality kind of amplified. So, yeah, I think both Sven and I are pretty similar. <laughs> got, got it. Uh, there was a wonderful profile on you on the, in the Wall Street Journal a few weeks ago. And one of the things, and I wouldn't have thought about this, but one of the things that they did in the journal piece is they profiled a bunch of people that watch you that you were the sole reason that they went out and bought a TV antenna. They cut the cord. They did away with cable, stopped paying their cable bill, and uh, they're watching everything on streaming except for you. Are you hearing from more and more people where that's the case, that these these cord cutters that end up getting a television antenna just so they can keep watching you? Definitely so. And, and you know, it's kind of a nice compliment. But, you know, in a lot of the markets, uh, we've heard that there are some stations that have dropped MeTV. And that happens all the time in TV. You know, they'll decide they've got something else they want to run. And maybe they're allergic to having high ratings on Saturday <laughs> nights. Uh, but, yeah, people, you know, they don't want to pay for cable and, and a lot of these other things. And uh, having an antenna picking up the over-the-air broadcast is quite a popular thing. And now there's also uh, a couple apps that run me TV. One is a Friendly TV. It's like spelling friendly without any vowels in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, there's a yeah, there's a minimum charge every month, but it enables you to see uh, the station. And for some people. Uh, depending on where you are, you really need a good antenna to pick up the broadcast signal. So that's that's a way for them, if they have problems with an antenna, to just be able to tune in via these apps. You mentioned the high ratings. The Wall Street Journal said that there are about a million people that watch you every Saturday night on MeTV, which is more than uh, are watching a lot of the major cable networks in prime time during the week, including networks like TNT and CNN. You're beating them with your numbers you're doing on Saturday. What do you think the key to your rating success has been? Why are you such a hit? I, I think it's it's partially because... I think everybody growing up had a horror host, and it's almost like a sort of comfort mm. food for them, and uh, you know, bringing back nice memories of who they used to watch. 
And also, I think, you know, maybe, you know, we're offering some entertainment that they're not getting anyplace else. And here in Chicago, there are several times we beat, you know, the big networks as far as, you know, the -the over-the-air networks. So, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, people like what we do and they tune in. I think they enjoy seeing those movies and, uh, you know, the horror cycle is, is going strong. And then, you know, you, you add in our little extra stuff. It's like Hamburger Helper from the movies. And uh, uh, people like it. I, I'm, I'm very pleased that people are so devoted to it and have become such fans that they make it a point. I always hear from people, oh, you're our Saturday date night. <laughs> And, and and that's very flattering. No, that, that's uh, absolutely that's absolutely terrific. One of the things that I've noticed with you is much like a lot of other uh, talk show hosts or entertainers on local television that might have been considered campy. People like Uncle Floyd, who was big in New Jersey. People like mm-hmm. Joe Franklin, who I grew up watching and who was a, a big hero of mine. It seems like you have fans not only among the uh, the masses, the plebeian television viewers who've cut the cord and use an antenna just to see you, but a lot of celebrities seem to be fans of yours, folks like Lady Gaga and uh, Joe Mantegna. I'm curious, what celebrities have actually reached out to you and told you that they're fans of yours and they watch you regularly? Oh, uh, quite a few, actually. Annette O'Toole, a mm. uh, fine actress, uh, Mark Hamill, which, which was a surprise to me. He he sent me an email and said, oh, this is Mark Hamill. I really enjoy what you do. I watch every week. And uh, I said, well, this is very flattering. But, you know, even me being a, you know, bottom feeder celebrity, people pretend to be me. I said, I just wish I knew <laughs> if if this was really you. And he said, OK, well, give me your phone number and I'll call you. And I was like, eh, I don't know about that. But then I remembered he had a uh, a Twitter handle. And he was on Twitter, and I said, I tell you what, put put some sort of a message on Twitter. And I waited one hour, two hours, three hours, and I thought, okay, this isn't real. And all of a sudden, uh, pops a tweet from Mark Hamill, verified. <laughs> it said, one of the nice things I discovered this summer is Spengoolie on MeTV. Wow, that's uh, that's got to make you feel good. Luke Skywalker is a fan of yours. Wow, that's really something. Yeah, I was I was pretty much blown away by that. And then I did give him my phone number. Uh, the first time he called, we talked for about 45 minutes. And, uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> that's that's a pretty nice thing to be able to put on my resume. No doubt about it. Obviously, you show a lot of great horror movies, a lot of not-so-great horror movies. Next month is Horror Month. That's the month that if people avoid anything scary the whole rest of the year, they'll embrace it for the month of October. Uh, what do you have planned? Anything special for Halloween? Definitely. That, that whole month is actually on MeTV. They're calling it Spengoolie's Halloween Boo-Nanza, <laughs> <laughs> which makes you think there's going to be like a zombie Lauren Green or something. But actually, it, it's, you know, there's going to be special programming, uh, marathons of various sitcoms and shows that have a scary theme to them. And we're starting it off with something I've been trying to get for a long time, a uh, famous made-for-TV movie with Karen Black, Trilogy of Terror. Do you know that one? Uh, no, I, I love Karen Black, oh, but no, I'm not familiar with the film. You need to tune in for that. It's three stories in which she plays different roles, but the last one is probably the most famous one of all, where she's in her apartment and she has this 
warrior-type doll that's pretty ugly, <laughs> and it's got like a little chain around its around its waist. And little does she realize when that chain falls off, that has kept the spirit of this thing in there, and it starts chasing after her, trying to kill her. Wow. Um, I it, mean, that's it's pretty sounds, intense. It's, is it difficult to get the rights to some of these pictures? Yeah, definitely so. Back when I started, you had so many uh, companies coming to us and going, oh, I've got this package of films. You, know, you really want this. And, and they were always pitching to you and just about breaking down your doors trying to get you to take mm-hmm. the packages of films. But today, because the competition is so different between, you know, the online networks and, you know, some of the other companies that have bought out the, the film companies and their entire stock, it's much tougher. People will often say to me, oh, you know, how come you don't run this film or that film? And the reason is a lot of times they're just not available. Mm. They're either under exclusive contract elsewhere, and some of them just no longer seem to be even offered to anybody. So it, it makes it a lot tougher to, to come up with movies every year. I, I can imagine. Now, do you write the jokes that you tell during the show yourself? Yeah, I write everything. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's t- that's terrific. I, I imagine the uh, the workload is pretty significant. Uh, you are seen pretty often with a rubber chicken. Now, if people haven't seen you on television before or don't know about your whole deal, what's the story with the rubber chicken? Well, it goes back to the original Sven Gulli, Jerry G. Bishop. Um, he always thought that when he told a bad joke. You've probably seen, you know, in movies or something, but heard about in the old vaudeville days, if people didn't like your performance, they would throw like, you know, rotten tomatoes and things at you. And he thought there should be an equivalent of that. And obviously, when he'd tell a bad joke, we couldn't have tomatoes or something thrown because, you know, how are you going to keep cleaning up the studio? So he thought of another vaudeville type prop, which is the rubber chicken, and said, how about... If when I tell a bad joke, people throw rubber chickens at me and that became, you know, a very significant part of the show. And of course, I continued that tradition. Uh, It is absolutely, absolutely terrific. I understand there's now a spinoff. I haven't seen this yet. I read about it in the Wall Street Journal piece, but uh, my Uncle Steve has seen it. He's a fan already. Sven Tooney. What is Sven Tooney? (laughs) Well, uh, we have a morning cartoon show that's on for an hour every Monday through Friday with my pal, comedian Bill Leff, and it's called Tune In With Me, and his sidekick is a uh, the red tuna of terror, Toonie, uh, a little uh, fish puppet. And, you know, they've been very popular in the mornings, and a couple times on their show we did bits where he was Sven Toonie. So they decided, you know, wouldn't it be a nice compliment complimentary sort of thing to have them do their own little show and they are and the second season of it is actually going to premiere on October 1st October 1st is going to be a big day for us because not only am I running the trilogy of terror but there's going to be a very special uh, special documentary type thing that's going to run after our movie that talks about my career and has me you know going around different parts of Chicago and uh, has some surprise cameos in it from famous people. Uh, and, and then that'll be followed by the premiere of Sven Tooney. So it's a full night of stuff. Well, that uh, should be something. People uh, should uh, set their calendars for October 1st. 
we mentioned the ratings, and I think you did a pretty good job uh, hypothesizing as to why the show does so well. That being said, why do you think there aren't more shows like this, either on a local level or a national level? I would think that there are other TV stations or other TV networks that would love to cut into this Venguli pie of uh, putting some, you know, campy horror films out, out there and having somebody tell interesting anecdotes and sort of comedic color commentary. Why doesn't every cable network have a show like this? Well, Frank, a lot of you know stations and networks put their money into if they're going to put their money into any sort of programming they produce, it's news or sports or public affairs. It's very rare that they do entertainment type shows. And the one thing that I can say is since our success, a lot of local markets have said, you know, we could do this, and they've actually put on their own horror host shows. So. Uh, maybe we're helping to to get those back into a lot of markets. <laughs> so, you know, I don't mind the competition. Believe well, the, me, it, the, it's cool to keep going, keep the whole genre going. Uh, that's terrific. One of the things, as long as you've been around, I have never really seen the Svenguli Halloween costume take off. Is that something that you think we can uh, look forward to in the future? Definitely so. We've actually been talking to people about it and uh maybe next year we we're going to try to do it this year but the things you know all this kind of stuff takes time to get everything licensed and and set up and as far as production and you know how production on a lot of things has been slowed down by you know problems with getting materials but yeah that's that's definitely something that's going to be coming up in the future well, that's uh, that's pretty exciting. Um, it is a real treat to talk with you, and uh, I, I don't suppose I can ask you to give us a, a sample song parody. It could be any any song on any subject that you like. I know I'm kind of thrown at the throwing that at, at you out of left field. Oh, geez, I don't know. You know, we we did a song called "Bye Bye Berwin." <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, I honestly can't even remember the, the words right now. It's a little late for me. You'll have to. Fair enough. It's a little late for me too. Um, we'll encourage everybody to check you out Saturday nights on MeTV, uh, October first, big day in Svenguli Land. Go to the website svenguli dot com. Rich, a real treat to talk with you. Thank you so much. Frank, it's been a real pleasure, and and tell everybody to keep watching all through October because I'll be popping up at all different times during our schedule during the Halloween boo-nanza. <laughs> Count on it. Count on it. All right. Uh, if you want to comment on any portion of my discussion with Sven Gulli, you can give me a call, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Midnight. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.